Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here with the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. With me in the studio today is my long-term friend, Brian Stevenson. Welcome. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. I am excited about interviewing you because you have had the ability to seem to master so many things at the same time, the ability (laughs) in leadership to have so many areas of leadership. I know you're a pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, you're a musician, you have a recording studio, you're a consultant in the marketplace, Uh, you teach Bible at a Christian school, you're a five-fold pastor, you have an Airbnb, I mean, there's probably more things, but that that seems almost overwhelming. (laughs) That that seems like a good start. (laughs) (laughs) You have multiple streams of income, we want to talk about that here. Sure. Let's get into who you are first. Talk about where you've come from, where you grew up, how did you come to know Jesus, give us a story. Sure. So um, I grew up just north of Lititz, actually, in Myerstown, so about uh, 15, 20 minutes, sure. depending on how fast we drive, Right. And in Myerstown. And uh, I attended uh, Grace Christian School, which is actually no longer a school, but that was there on 422 in okay. Myerstown. Gotcha. Um, so I, I attended there from second grade all the way through graduation. And in my growing up, I was exposed to a lot of the leaders from the seminary. So I attended uh, Evangelical Congregational Church in Myerstown, wow. which was where the uh, the seminary had a lot sure. of their professors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to experience a lot of leaders in the church. And, um, you know, it was interesting for me growing up, the, the Bible really was, um, it was a textbook. Uh-huh. And so, and I always, I always had a sense that there was so much more that there was, uh, you know, when I read the scripture that talked about the Bible being alive right. and and sharper than any two-edged sword, it got right. me excited. And and a lot of times it felt like the Bible was relegated to um, facts. Right. You know, so it covered all sorts of things, right? History and, and it covered, um, you know, certain elements of psychology and, sure. and certainly English, uh, especially if we had to read the, the, the King James Version. So there was interesting um, parts of that, but... And I, and I grew, obviously, um, in that regard to love the Word of God, but also I felt things, things missing. It wasn't until mm-hmm. um, my, my early 20s, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that I was seeking for since a little, being a little kid, wow. that I, that I uh, really sensed the Lord take off in, in, my, in my growth. I, I was experiencing power from Him on a, a different level. Right, but, uh, and that was that was uh, it's actually in the basement of Hubie Harmon's house in really? Rexmont, Pennsylvania. Wow, yeah, yeah. That I that I would have uh, that I would have experienced that. So, so that was obviously you knew God, mm-hmm. but you really encountered the Lord, yeah. being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and and I think for me as a little as a little guy, as many of us do, we were are we're surrounded by the truth of the gospel, right? And you if just you grow up in a Christian home, yes. or involved in church, yes. etc. Yeah. So so you know, growing up in the church, growing up in a Christian school, you have a lot of um, head knowledge and a lot of experiences, 
And um, those were all fantastic. And looking back on them, I know that that it formed um, who I would become sure. later in life. Um, leadership opportunities in, in school always presented themselves. Yeah. And uh, I, I seemed to gravitate toward them, but I only realized later on why uh, I gravitated toward those roles because I'm not like the um, – I'm not the the go get go get them kind of right. like like tackle tasks. Yeah. Um, for me, leadership was always about people, mm-hmm. and even as a little guy, you know, mm. um, sitting and, and having people talk to me when there wasn't anyone else to talk to, right. or or come to me with their problems to help them solve, or or things like that. Um, I just always sensed that, you know, in some way God's going to use me, and I didn't necessarily know what that was going to look like, and. It was a struggle. Yeah, it was a struggle yeah. to be in, a, in in that environment um, and and say, God, I want to be used. And it seemed like the people that were being most used were the ones that were task people. Right. And I was a people people yeah. a people person. People person, right? <laughs> so yeah. Well, you've got your focus on so many different areas of leadership. Sure. Uh, of course, you're a pastor. Uh, you have the Airbnb. You're a musician. You know, you've got your own sound studio. On and on and on. Uh, talk a bit about how you got into all those facets, sure. aspects sure. of leadership and ministry, whatever. Because in each of them, you're providing leadership. Yeah. So. For my formative years, to be in a place where um, I was surrounded by um, godly biblical people right. and leaders, right. um, one of the things that I, I recognized as I got older was to take leadership was, um, for me, always about caring for humans, caring for individuals. Right. So even right. early on, it would have been um, my the first band I was ever in was, uh, I was 15 years old. And even though I was the youngest by far, uh, by 10 years at least, um, I was caring for the other guys in the band. Wow. It was just the role wow. I took. Um, as I got to be... Um, as I got to be a senior, uh, I rose to that, um, you know, the voted class president. But it wasn't because of, of being able to get things done. It was because I cared for people. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, you, you look at the different things that I do now and the, the common thread, and I've, I've spoken to many people about this, and actually our friend Jay McCumber mm-hmm. helped me work through this, was that um, my role in the kingdom and the anointing that I carry is, is very much the heart of a pastor. Yeah. And so I didn't necessarily look at things that way. In fact, I can tell you, Jay and I were sitting at a diner having having a meal together, which we did regularly, and, and we were just talking. And, and I was stressing about whether I was bivocational or tri-vocational. Is, it, <laughs> is there a quad-vocational? You know, and, and Jay was just shaking his head and smiling. And he said, Brian, just stop it. Just stop it," he said. "Everything you do, you're doing in the anointing you carry That's right. for the advancement of the kingdom." Yeah. And so, when I when I play music, um, which I, I have an opportunity to to uh, play music regularly in public, and I entertain people, and I have an opportunity to connect people to uh, a, a fun experience. Right. But also, more times than not, it starts the conversation. Hey, what else do you do? And um, <laughs> I, I've lost count of how many times I'll say, well, I, I pastor a church. Right. And the people go, it's either one of two things. Either, oh, I knew there was something different about you. Yeah. Which a lot of times would be fellow believers. And then the other one is, oh, man, 
<laughs> uh, I've said some things tonight, and you overheard it, I'm sure. And and oh man, uh, and it's just great to sit with folks and and let them share their heart, um, believers or non-believers, right. and be there in that in that opportunity. When I'm doing the consulting work, um, if I'm in the marketplace and they embrace, if it's a faith-based organization, I'm I'm able to incorporate the Word of God and, and kingdom sure. principles by name. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm uh, in a place where it's not necessarily a kingdom-focused business, right. I can still speak kingdom principles. That's right. And I don't necessarily have to use book, chapter, and verse to convey what the principle is. They're the best principles. Mm-hmm. So being able to do that in the marketplace has been pretty amazing. Um you know, teaching at a Christian school, uh, it takes me back. Uh, the way I got the role five years ago, I was speaking to the principal and mentioned to him that, you know, for me growing up, said what I said earlier, the Bible was a textbook. Right. And I really would have needed someone when I was a senior to help me understand what does this look like mm-hmm. when the rubber meets the road and you're moving from head knowledge to the wisdom of applying it to my life. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, do you want to teach our Bible class? <laughs> That's how it started. So I actually teach the um, the seniors at New Covenant Christian School. And, um, and we talk about three areas. We talk about who I am. So how am I wired? Who has God created me to sure. be? From there, we move into interpersonal relationships. If this is true about me and I'm uniquely gifted and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made... Um, in fact, the New Living Translation says, I'm made wonderfully complex. I love that. Psalm 139. That means other people are wonderfully complex and other people are uniquely made. So how do we work together and, and uh, of course, advance the kingdom? And then the final mm-hmm. thing is, how do I relate to the world that God so loved? Mm-hmm. And so we do, that in a, we do that over the school year, and then they, it culminates with their senior class missions trip. Which is uh, which is just amazing, and I, I loved. I've been loving being a part of that for the last That's five years. Awesome. I meet so many leaders who are pastoral at heart, hmm. and they're always comparing themselves to the task oriented type A. Hmm. We got a vision to reach the world. Yeah, see what yeah. I mean. So talk to talk to those of us who are listening here right now, saying, you know, I just love people, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor at heart. How do I express leadership? with the gifts that I have that God's given me? Yeah, that's such a good question. And and I think what we've realized, what, what Rachel and I lead the church together, and one of the things we've realized in our in our time at the fireplace, which is now eight years, wow. um, is that we we have to take an attitude of, of being servants to the folks that, right. that we're walking with. Right. And any of those things that you mentioned, I, I have that, Mentality. I, I want to walk as a servant. And um, Greg, Greg Boyd uh, wrote a book, and, and in the book he talked about Jesus coming with a power under philosophy. Mm-hmm. That, um, and, and, a, and a lot of times what we find ourselves doing is, is serving and being in it for the, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You know, being in it for the long run. And, and you, might not, um, you might not see the results that you want as quickly as you want, mm-hmm. which we could we could talk about God's timing. Right, right. <laughs> but um, if we're not seeing the results, that doesn't mean that God's not doing something. That's correct. And loving people where they are mm-hmm. 
is so very, very, very important. They need to not only feel that they're loved and sense that they're loved, but we need to walk with them as they walk forward Mm -hmm. in love. And so, and and all the people we encounter are going to have different paces. Mm -hmm. So that means that, you know, we need to, to pray through and rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us through what their pace is. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's been an interesting learning curve. Uh, Rachel and I served a church um, before coming back to the fireplace. We were there almost eight years. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in there with a game plan. I told God, I'll give you three years. We served almost eight. So that should tell you something about right. God's timing and right. our timing. <laughs> but one of the things that really was fleshed out in that time was understanding how to love people, not only right where they're at, but also then seeing them at the end of the race, right. seeing right. them through the eyes that God has for them. Mm. Um, what is his plan ultimately? And are they chasing after that plan or are they still spinning their wheels, trying their own plan? Because I did that. So um, I can attest to the fact that sure. it's not a great approach. Um, and you will eventually end up chasing after God's plan. Exactly. If you keep your heart right with them. So. Where did you get the revelation of the multiple streams of income? So many people I talked to have tried that. It hasn't worked well for them. Sure. I know some people are wired that they can do that well. Others, they need to do maybe one thing in life, and that's okay. Yeah. But there's something to be said about multiple streams of income if you can make that work, and you've made that work. Talk to us about how you learned that, where to get that revelation, and how that worked out for you. So years ago, I tried my hand at full-time job, jobs. Right. Um, what I realized about myself was I got bored. Mm. Honestly, I just got bored quickly. And, um, and in that process, uh, what we might term today as a side hustle, I had a side hustle from the time I was 17 of giving private guitar instruction. Okay. And what I realized was that really fueled some of the other things I was doing. So my thought was, well, how can I have more of that? So I, I wound up working then uh, for a music store and then was also, besides being a salesman, was able to teach. And then, um, and then I was called to, to do some other things. I, I started working at Lidditz Christian and I coached their, um, we called it coached. Right. I coached their worship team. Um, I was there to help with organize their chapels and things sure. like that. So I started seeing what was giving me life and what wasn't. And it had to take some, it, it took God, really, to pair out what wasn't bringing me life. So everything that you mentioned, Larry, brings me life. Everything mm. fuels me. So wow. if you're going to be involved in multiple streams of That's income, good. you'll need to find something. And, and understand you're wired, you're wiring, understand that everything's going to have to give you more fuel. Um, so when you talk about pastoring, we love to pastor the fireplace. Um, we love to see people grow. We love to walk with folks. There's not really a whole lot about the pastoring side of things that depletes my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, as a musician, I love to connect with people. Uh, you know, when you're talking about the, the recording studio, right. there is a, a grander plan of connecting with people. So right. what happens in the recording studio ultimately is going to connect with humans. That's when, so interesting. That's how you see that. That's <laughs> intriguing to me. It's, it's, it's got to be, for myself, being somebody who's fueled by people and right. fueled by the interaction, yes. and I have, to, I have to see it that way. Good. Or it will sap my energy. With, with that said, we just came back from our elder team retreat with our elders, and I have a team around me 
that knows my heart and then they do the things well that I don't do well. Well, I was, that's my next question. You know, yeah. How do you build a team? So you learn how to do that so that your people gift, yeah. you can be in your sweet spot. Absolutely. And, and you, you've resourced your weaknesses with others yep. who do other things well that you don't do as well, right? Because we all have things we don't do as well. Absolutely. And and see, the, the, the approach for a lot of folks is I, I need to get better at what I don't do well. And for myself some years ago... I got to the point where I realized I could really expend a lot of energy trying to get better or I could focus on team. Mm-hmm. And I could not only focus on team, but I could um, I could approach it by saying, I don't do this well. I need you. That's good. And so when Rachel and I walk together, Rachel is, is my detail person. Rachel she runs really – yeah. she runs uh, – She's just amazing. She runs a um, a floral business, luxury wedding florals. Right. Um, it's called Ever After Floral Design, and she runs an Airbnb in our home. Um, and if she wasn't detailed to keep things like schedule, she helps me with my calendar. Um, and okay. and some people think like family calendar. I'm like she has control over my business calendar. So she can help me lay out that at 9.30 on a Wednesday, I need to sit with Larry Kreider and talk about things. <laughs> right. um, and she gets excited about that because that's what she's really good at. That's so cool. And so if you can find other folks that um, bring to the table something that not only do you not have, but maybe in your mind, you're like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do this. Or for, in my case, I can't expend the energy to try and get better. If I had to get better at running a calendar, Larry, it would drive <laughs> me crazy. But since I'm married to this amazing woman who's extremely organized, uh, we partner together in that. Yeah. When it comes to the greater team, um, I have um, Mark Meyer, who is my assistant when it comes to administrative things. Mark is detail-oriented, very administrative. He helps carry those things out. If I'm unavailable, I have Aaron Regal. He has a pastoral heart, but he also has the gift to know when to step in and when sure. to sit back. Sure. And so if I'm not available or if, if there's something that he would be better at, it's okay for him to step into that role. So just to break this down, you have different teams for different responsibilities. That's correct. So as a, as a pastor of a church, lead elder of a church, you have a team there. You yes. have an administrative team. You've got elders, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, of course, you and Rachel, your wife Rachel, you're a team together yes. in like some of the business things you do. On the musician side, again, I'm assuming Rachel's helping you with that. And so what about, you know, your consultant in the marketplace? Yeah. What does that look like? And what, are you involved in a team there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that would be probably, uh, you'd ask about mentorship. Yes. And, um, you know, in the marketplace, this started about six years ago when a gentleman that I've known for years and, and was, was really uh, a guy who went to bat for me uh, at the church that I served prior to coming to the fireplace by the name of Gary Johnson, and um, Gary's a visionary kind of guy, and he asked if I would be interested in helping with an experiment he was doing. And uh, to make a very long story short, it was taking numbers and turning it into music. Is that even possible? Wow. So we took survey numbers from the places in the market, in a marketplace, different um, businesses he was working with. We took their survey numbers and I turned it into music. It's a long story. But Gary saw something in me I didn't see in myself. He actually said, um, when we started this adventure, um, I was thinking about this, and the only person I thought that would ha- be able to do it is you. Wow. And 
you know, that kind of a phrase, we've talked before, Larry, about the different questions we ask ourselves. Who can do something right. that I'm doing? And, right. and to have somebody that pointedly say, mm-hmm. you're the only one I can know, that I know that can do this job. Um, that was exciting. And that was six years ago. Wow. And uh, in the process, he said, you know, I, I love how you facilitate. And would you be willing to facilitate some things for us? And and uh, you know you're you, you have such good ideas. Can we can we harness that? So Gary really opened the door for me in ways that I would have never thought was possible. Mm. And so I've traveled the country. Um, prior to COVID, there was some talk about uh, Europe and and uh, Australia. But of course, COVID has shut some of those things right. down. We're doing a lot of those things via Zoom now. So that's a whole nother um, interesting area to learn how to facilitate over Zoom. But it, it really is neat to work with a team in the marketplace that have very specific goals. And the company that I work with, Monarch Risk uh, Monarch Pathways, used to be Monarch Risk Management, um, the, the person that started that, Joe Karachi, um, he has a very specific skill set. And, and uh, just recently, um, he introduced me to someone and said, he, Brian's one of our, our, our best facilitators. That really, that really was a compliment to me. Sure. But I also know that, that Joe doesn't necessarily think of himself as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. So I've had modeled around me this idea of I'm going to harness my ability. And if there's an ability I don't have, let's find team sure. that can work with us. Yeah. And I feel like that's... It's going to be key for the kingdom. It's what Jesus talked about, or what Paul talked about, that Jesus gave the the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We all need to work together, and we all need to recognize that each other has different gifting. I've interviewed Ron Marr, uh, you know, in this podcast about the fivefold ministry, and of course, that's what you really fit into the whole pastoral side of that. Apostle, yeah. prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and the whole pastoral side of that. So, how do you use that? In any other ways you use that gift? the pastoral side of you, just to help people, help the body of Christ and leadership. Is there any other way that you use that pastoral gift that you have? I mean, obviously you're pastoring a local church. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. But then how does it go beyond that? I mean, some of it, I think you've already said, some of it has to do with, well, when you're consulting or whatever, the pastor in you always comes out because that's who you are. Exactly. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so is there anything else you want to say about that? Because I know there's so many thousands of pastors, and that's their gift. Yeah. And they're trying to be somebody they're not. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to say about that? I mean, you mentioned mentors. Are there mentors to help you with that? Or is there anything else you want to say about that's, that? That's such a good question. I, I do have something really, for anybody out there um, who would listen to this and would know that, you know, I carry a pastoral anointing. I have the heart of a shepherd. Right, right. Um, you want to make certain that you shepherd your home first. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, you... It is absolutely imperative that we pastor our mm-hmm. children, we pastor our, our, our spouses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it has to be, you know, I, I'm complimented frequently in public, you know, why don't you try out for The Voice? Why don't you go mm-hmm. try out for America's Got Talent and all these things? And that's great. But one of the things I, I tell folks that ask that is, I like to be home at night. Mm. You know, and they say, well, you could be famous. And, and <laughs> I reply to them, I want to be famous in my home. Right, right. Um, and that's, so that's one, of the, one of the interesting things to me about all of this is it takes 
all of the things you mentioned, home base is home. Yes. So I don't I don't have Very your good. typical office hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we the kids I, I drive my children to school every day. I pick them up as often as possible. Is mostly every day, and um, and we just have time together. We pray together on the way to school. We we listen to their favorite songs, and and I get to know them as people. So good. So good. So. Mistakes. Looking back, you say, mm. have you made any of those? Any mm-hmm. mistakes? If you haven't, you're the first person I've no, ever no, had no. in your... <laughs> they haven't. It, it, is, it, it is an occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to make it what happen. You, but... you, and what have you learned from that? What have you learned as you look back and it's some of the mistakes you would have made? Yeah, so one of the one of the mistakes that I I'm, have made, um, I try to make it less now because mm-hmm. God taught me some good lessons, but I mentioned it earlier. You know, sometimes um, we go into things... Believing that our timetable is best, mm-hmm. you know. When I started um, at Cornwall United Methodist in uh, 2006, and I told God, you know, you have three years. Sure, I'll give you three years. Um, Amazing I was, how we tell God things like this. Absolutely, <laughs> it was, and I was, I was, I realized that you know there was an arrogance there, but there was also, you know, um, there was also sort of an ignorance to what I was walking into, and. I, I would say to anybody that's that's a pastor, um, when it comes to time frame, yeah. it's it's taken a long time. That's seventeen years ago. Right. Right. You know, um, I would say to anyone, you know, let God set the time frame. I, I love that the Lord orders our steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we can have our plans. The Lord orders our steps. Right. And right. so, if that's what we're looking at. Um, then, then don't make the mistake of rushing, right. pushing. Um, that's not, uh, you know, that that actually sort of pushes back on my on my anointing as a pastor. Right. So um, if if folks are uh, if folks are struggling, you continue to to be with them. I, I love that that Paul tells us in Romans twelve um, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who right, rejoice. Right. There's something about that that doesn't say a time frame. And so that would be one mistake that I've made over the, my lifetime. The other thing that I would say is is not having boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when um, Rachel and I um, went on sabbatical this summer, mm-hmm. one of the things we prayed through was the the, the Sabbath that we had during the week. Because uh, as you've pointed out, there's a lot of things here. There's a lot. Um, and what I was what I was finding is that my Sabbath would be encroached on, and I was allowing that to happen. So um, being able to say that, you know, we need a Sabbath, we mm-hmm. need to set the boundaries so good. Um, and communicate that, you know, not being afraid to say to someone, look, I, I can't talk to you today. You know, I can speak to you tomorrow mm-hmm. or just not even answering. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people that have that have my my ears, so to speak, on a on a Monday, which is when I take my Sabbath, is my wife and my children. Right. Um, I have to keep working at that because it's new for the fireplace. Um, I had been trying to take Thursdays, did not work so well, <laughs> got encroached on regularly. And so, um, so yeah, boundaries and also just rest. Good. Take, take care of mm-hmm. your own soul. Um, I am a fan of the book Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. Mm-hmm. And in that he talks about maintaining your soul. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, David, David said things like, you know, uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Right. You know, it's soul language that that hits us very, very close to our center. So, um, for anyone that is working this kind of multi multi vocational or even just the role of a pastor, 
if you're not taking care of mm-hmm. that little bit inside of you that is really uniquely yours to tend to that's right. with the help of the Lord. Yeah, the Hebrew writer says there's a rest for the people of God. Yeah. And that's the rest in our soul and finding ways to making sure we take care of our soul. And Absolutely. So, so good, so true. Especially when you're dealing with multiple streams of income. Yeah. Like the way you do it. And again, you've done that well, and that's one of the, one of the reasons I wanted you here. And I just want to affirm the pastoral heart you have. You know, I've done multiple uh, audiobooks in your studio mm-hmm. and you're so pastoral you're so encouraging it's like i like this guy i mean this, this really does work you know and so that, that's who you are it really oozes, oozes out of you and uh i know you and i have both been blessed by a book uh poverty riches and wealth by chris Valentin. yeah how did that book affect you yeah so you had asked about how i stumbled into this and um realizing that you needed to have the things that gave you life. That was the first thing. But then the second thing was understanding. Chris lays out um, the benefit of having multiple streams of income. In fact, he he proposes believers should pursue seven streams of income. Right, right. And so um, actually, Rachel and I both read the book and we thought, you know, we're, we're kind of already doing this yeah like this is this is life-giving for us and so to hear it affirmed in us was fantastic but then um, a couple of the other things were added mm. down the road um, and so it then became how do you organize it right you know how does it play out for you and I Chris talks about the fact that if any then w- one stream dries up yeah that there are other streams typically um, in his experience the Lord would would there would be more there Right. And so that is exactly what happened to us over COVID, mm-hmm. uh, over the, the lockdowns that we all experienced. Um, uh, I remember vividly that uh, it was the day before St. Patrick's Day that the governor shut everything down as far as restaurants because I was to play a St. Valentine's or St. Patrick's Day um, event somewhere. Sure. And of course, that got shut down. And so. What we what we said then um, was all right, Lord. Obviously, you're our provider. These seven streams of income are 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 the way that God provides for us. But He's our provider. Yeah. So to be able to rest in that, but also rest in the fact that there was other things going on. Yeah. The co- consultation work continued um, over um, over Zoom over the internet. So that was really amazing. Um, we decided to do music from inside of our home, which was great. We had people gather around and we bro- sure. live broadcast, which started a whole other thing for us, right. which was broadcasting our stuff. Right. Um, the recording studio, we wound up doing some books. We yeah. did some work together over that time. So we just really saw it in action right. and felt very strongly that, hey, this is a good principle. It, for some folks, it would be very difficult, mm-hmm. you know, but for us, it just felt right. Yeah. Our kids, uh, our oldest daughter and her husband, some months back, were at a restaurant one night and you were there, you know, you were there singing songs and doing your gig like you do so well. And they're with friends. And then they said, you know, we know that guy. And they said, really? They said, yeah, he's a pastor in one of the global churches. They said, really? That's awesome. That's amazing. So I just love the way you've allowed God to use you to bless people. And the pastor heart in you just comes out again and again and again and again. Any last minute words of wisdom you'd have for any younger leaders listening? And by the way, everybody check out the show notes. It was a whole lot more about Brian, a lot more about all the things that he's talking about. 
talking about here, some of the articles you've written, some of those things, all that will be on the show notes. And I can also attest to the reality that it takes a team to make it work. Like, yeah. you know, you talk with different teams, that's a real key. This wouldn't be happening. I mean, you helped us set this whole thing up for this podcast. I mean, initially, thank you, Brian Stevenson. Absolutely. And without Absolutely. Melina Miller, who's sitting here in the studio making all this happen, or producer, it would never happen. <laughs> Thank you, Melina. <laughs> yes. And so uh, anything else you want to share with any other younger leaders saying, man, I love I love what this guy is saying. I feel like, feel like maybe I should have many, many different ministry streams of income, sure. ways of being supported, and also ways of using the gifts I have. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to share with them? I, I would say really seek the Lord on how he's wired you and Good. ask him, what what have what have you placed inside of me that gives me life? That's good. Because if you chase after that, you will not go wrong. You will I love not. That. I I love the 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 old phrase, and and I think it's it's Mark Twain, um, to make your uh, vocation your vacation. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And so so for that's just the way I feel. I like, like every that. day is an adventure. Wow, every day is an adventure. Quote, Brian Stevenson. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. It is so refreshing. And I, so many people are going to be blessed by this because, best of all, first of all, they carry a pastoral heart. And they're going to say, wow, there's lots of hope for me. I don't need to be like some other leader, no. some you know, type A, high D leader. I, I need to lead the way God's called me to lead. That's right. And then get the people around me to, to resource my weaknesses and make it happen. Absolutely. So thank you, Brian Stevenson. It was a joy to have you on the Leadership Podcast. Check out the show notes, everybody. And we'll be back next week on the Larry Quinn Leadership Podcast. We find those small changes we can make that, that when applied, they make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those we serve. God bless you, and look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com. 